So good evening, First Baptist family. All righty. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Without further ado, our lesson tonight is what happens when you have faith? What happens when you have faith? So let's look at a couple of verses uh, to start us off before we answer that question. What happens when you have faith? We got our first verse coming from Romans, the first chapter and 17th verse. Someone want to read that? The gospel shows us how God makes people right with himself. That it begins and ends with faith. The scripture says that those who are right with God will live by trusting in him. All right, all right. Do I got a volunteer for number two? Our second verse of scripture coming from Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6. Yes, sir, D. Without faith, it is impossible to please. Come on now. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. All right. Amen. Amen. So we got two supporting verses to speak to what happens when you have faith. So let's go and begin to dive into the lesson. And it has faith is and you have a blank there and we're going to jump through it and get you your right in answer. And then we will discuss. And that is faith is seeing from God's point of view, seeing from God's point of view. And our supporting scripture again comes from Hebrew. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen, not might happen, not maybe, but is going to happen to be certain of things we do not see. Amen. We got a second Ephesian that echoes that same sentiment. And, and Paul writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see the wonderful future God has promised to those he called. That is our faith, seeing things from God's point of view, God's point of view. So what happens when we have faith? And I think a better question before we answer that and we'll go through it is what happens when you don't have faith? What happens when you do not have faith? And so when we do not see things through God's eyes, we see things through fear. So what happens when we see things with the eyes of fear? Now, our lesson is pulling from numbers and it's taken in both chapter 13 and 14 with the familiar narrative it is when the spies went out to spy the land, when the children of Israel was going and crossing over Jordan to Camus into the promised land. And they were told to go and spy the land and bring back a report. And we all are familiar with it. But I like what our lesson is pulling out. We're pulling out some of the issues that they've had when we see things not through the eyes of God, but through the eyes of fear through the eyes of fear. So the first one, the first one, seeing things through the eyes of fear. And again, 
We're focusing on the children of Israel, that narrative, because it's something to glean from there. So our first one is when we see things with the eyes of fear, we exaggerate our difficulties. We exaggerate our difficulties. At work, I put up uh, a little saying that reminds me to be encouraged. And it says, rebuke fear and change the world. And that's my old my own little saying that I say just to encourage myself, because the thing about having a lack of faith, it's a slippery slope, right? A lack of faith leads to ultimately a life of loss. And what I mean by that, a loss of blessings, a loss of joy, a loss of peace, a loss of all these things that God has for us. But because of our fear and our lack of faith, we tend to not go through those doors that God has opened for us. And and I look at it this this way. A lack of faith leads to fear. Fear leads to discouragement. Uh Discouragement leads to inaction. Inaction leads to failure. Failure leads to giving up. And finally, giving up leads to a life of loss. Go ahead. When we face this difficult challenge and we know we got to cross it, fear prepares the body for action as well as the mind. So, so therefore, when we meet a difficult challenge head on, because the body itself prepares you for the unknown, so you shouldn't have problems in overcoming. That's a great point. Anybody want to weigh in on that? That's a great point. Uh, that got me thinking that, and, and I, I heard it said this way: courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is overcoming the fear that's there. What did Jesus say when he came to his disciples? One of the many things that he said was fear not. So fear is a natural response to any outside stimuli. That's a natural thing. And, and, and fear, believe it or not, is healthy when it's in the proper check, the proper perspective. When fear becomes a problem is when we magnify that fear bigger than anything else when fear becomes the biggest thing and one of our presidents said what i believe it was uh, um kennedy that said there's nothing but fear but fear itself roll there thank you thank you see i knew i had some scholars in here good job good job excellent but the point is simply that like deacon was saying It's not so much that fear is an issue, but when we begin to see things through the lens of fear, it exaggerates our difficulties. You ever been in a place when you were afraid of something and you started running it through your mind again and again and again of all the scenarios that could happen and you done ran through your mind a thousand times and when it finally came to pass none of those scenarios played out but you spent all night worrying about it go ahead my sister
Convince me. So fear does cost us something. And I like what you said, sister. It costs you a lot of gas. But you said you don't know where that fear comes from. Isn't it amazing? That's what the enemy does. That's Satan whispering in your ear. It's amazing how he whispers. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have that fight or flight, they call it. You know, you're in a situation where you instinctively make a decision. You're either going to fight or fly or run. And that that's in a sense that fear that as a tool. I mean, let, let's be honest. Fear of when you think about our primal existence, our primal being, it was because of fear of being eaten by wild animals that we began to develop shelter and tools and defenses. So early communities, one of the main thing they wanted to do was set up defenses mechanism. Even in the military, when we are part of our training, if you ever dropped off or find yourself stranded or in the wilderness, some of the basic things of life you begin to put together. And one of it is security. And that's just it, a fear of being attacked. So you have to develop these tools to help you survive. Now, here's the problem. If you're so afraid that there's a tiger out there in the woods that you never leave that spot that you're in, right. that's when it becomes debilitating. Yeah. That's when you have magnified that fear. One of my greatest fear was jumping out of a plane and that chute not opening. Right. And they taught us that you had a four-second count, 1,001, 2,002, 3,003, 4,004. And if you don't feel that chute pop open, they immediately train you to go to your reserve. So that was a great fear. So when that four-second count came and that chute opened, it was wonderful. <laughs> it's a beautiful feeling, right? But imagine the fate that it took because... These shoots were packed by men. And when I say men, humans, so error can happen. Incidentally, when we jumped in at Operation Just Cause, we jumped in at such a low altitude to avoid enemy gunfire. Well, it didn't matter. 
if you had your chute open or not. You were too low, so in four seconds, your chute didn't open, it didn't matter, you wouldn't have time for the reserve. You were gonna splat. <laughs> but that was a beautiful illustration of faith. It took some faith to realize that, look, this chute was packed by flawed people. Everything could happen. The plane could get shot down, but I'm going to go out this door and pray to God. And that's where that faith is that this chute opens. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going out that door. You're going out that door, definitely. So fear. We exaggerate our difficulties when we see with the eyes of fear. Our lesson is what happens when you have faith? And we're tackling that question by starting off with about not having faith, seeing it through the eyes of fear. So we got a supporting scripture, supporting scripture. Let's see. Oh, go back here. Giving them answers away here already. So the supporting scripture here is in your uh, text. Someone want to read that? Under one, we exaggerate our fear, our difficulties. Numbers 13, 27B, 28. It's a magnificent land. And their cities are fortified and law. What's more, we saw Anakin giants there. My, my. And other spies go on to say they crush us. So the majority of the report of the spies were negative. Their fear took over. They become magnified. And here's the problem. These are the spies going out there to bring back a report. Right. So now they're back in the congregation of the Israelites spreading this negativity. Mm -hmm. Ever been in a place where one person oh, yeah. brought so much negativity? Yeah. I, I, I see it all the time at work and, and, and I'm amazed. I had this one lady that I work with and she was negative about everything, everything. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you here? If, if this job is so bad, why are you here? But here's the funny thing. And this is why you got to guard your ear gate and your eye gate for who's whispering. Because for something to be so bad, she has been there for about 18 years and retired and got great benefits. So my thing is, what was the problem? But you got to check the motives because some people will try to get you to quit, especially if they think people are starting to get laid off. So they know they love their job, but they try to make it miserable. So you quit and they stay. I think I saw a handy. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Amen. Amen. Negativity. It is contagious. Negativity can be a cancer. And we all know that you go to any doctor's office and I'm amazed that even the medical community have latched on to this idea of speaking positively. I was in the Kaiser and it was talking about whole health, body, spirit and mind. And they were talking about the benefits of positive thinking because that is real. You can speak something into existence. You know, if I you see it all the time and it could scare you. I'm driving on the highways and you see those overpass, you know, 538 fatal road fatalities. You know, you see all that stuff. Sometimes you want to just say, you know what? I ain't driving. I'm just stay home. You know what I'm saying? But imagine if you stayed home or, or whatever, when you heard some sort of fear report, You'll never live life. You'll never experience the promises that God is, is, has for you. Negative report. So, yes, yes, go ahead, sister. My mom was very negative. And when, she, when I got married, she said, I don't know what you get married for. Wow. When, when we bought a house, she said, I don't know what you buy a house for. She said, I'm going to rent that baby. I don't know There you go. <laughs> there you go. Amen. Amen. There you go. And she said, what you want that big old car for? I said, drive you around. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I got three children. I can't have a two-door car with three children. I got to have four doors, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it, but I, I know from, just, like I say, when I look back, when nothing but God, they're keeping that because, I mean, it was just like bullets. Every time I was around, it was something, it was one thing or another. But as when I left, Cleared my mind and let me go my next day, and I kept on moving it and didn't dwell on any of that. Because there you go. I'm sure I knew that was what was going on. That was hurting me. It wasn't mine. Exactly. You're trying to operate in faith, and she's trying to get you to operate in fear. Oh, going to church, but hey. Yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. You got to examine the motive of people whispering. It, there you go. There are a lot of people out there who does not want to see you successful or succeed in any fashion. So they're going to throw those stones. They're going to cast those rocks, anything to get you off your game. And, and, and it's amazing. I wonder what was the motive behind those other spies who saw things negatively? You know, maybe they had certain issues. The Bible never goes into it, but it's amazing how their negativity began to spread through the whole camp. So they exaggerated their difficulties because they saw through the lens of fear. Number two, number two. Oh, yes, sir, D. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, may I say this? Yes, sir. Sometimes we are afraid, afraid of things and people that's larger. Come on now. We are. Come on now. My, my. Very quickly, very quickly, I'm going to say this. Now, me and a friend, I, I went and applied to drive a model bus, Atlanta Transit model bus. And my friend, we were working, but we wanted to change jobs. So I went. He said, everything in the book, man, I don't see why you want to go drive that, try to drive that big old bus. Picking mm -hmm. up all those people, dealing with all that. Traffic, everything was what? Was lost. And what? What? He wanted to do Absolutely. But guess what happened? After I had been driving the bus for a year, you know what he called me and said? Curry, I wish I had went down there and applied. Wow. Wow. Why? He said that was because I was still there. You know? And he said he wished, but he still, there was still opportunity for him to. But that bus was larger than what? Than what he wanted yeah, uh -huh. to deal with. Going back again, you go into a job every day, but you complain about that job. Come on, my, my. You had an opportunity right. to get. And now I'm saying that fear can cause you not to what? Progress. Exactly. Exactly. Right. You just said something. I think that that is powerful. I think one of our greatest fear is failure. One of our greatest fear is failure. And, and, and I, I'm going to step out on a limb. I think even our educational institution breeds that in us because we hear so much about passing this passing this and what happens that we have raised generations and generations who are afraid to fail but guess what some of the most successful people will tell you the reason they got to that point of success they failed so many times and they learned what not to do until they got it right so like you said it's that fear of failing and again we magnify that. If he had tried for that job, maybe he would have learned, or maybe if he failed, he could have just came back again and try again. I mean, there's lots of things that I failed, and I finally got it right. Go, go ahead, T. But along with that, they trained you to, when I went, I didn't know, I knew how to drive a car, but I did not know how to drive a model bus. And they trained you. Uh, because, because you learn, you are trained to what? To drive. Now, no doubt. So there was tools in place, and yet he was still fearful. Yes, larger. Amen. That's powerful. Absolutely. Giants in the land. Powerful. Powerful.
And that bleeds into number two. Our second is, again, what happens when we see things through the eyes of fear and not through God's eyes? Number two. And number two. And number two. There we go. All right. My fear was not of technical difficulties. It is what it is, whatever. So we underestimate our own abilities. We underestimate our own abilities. Again, pulling from the narrative of the 12 spies where 10 came back with the evil report. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Now, what's wrong with that statement? That, that, there's two things wrong with that statement, but I think one thing is just, just blatantly wrong with it. Now, it's one thing to see yourself as small, but how do you know that they saw you as grasshoppers? They didn't have a conversation with them. They didn't come up and say, how y'all doing? You know, we're just hanging out. You know, we're just trying to learn the culture. You know, what do y'all think of us, the Israelites? Oh, y'all are like grasshoppers. That conversation never happened. But it's amazing how we underestimate our own abilities when we see things through the eyes of fear. I can't help but readily think of Moses when he was called. And one of the things Moses was coming up, I, 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 I stutter, you know. So, and, and I can almost see God saying, you know what, take your brother Aaron, take Aaron with you, you know. But it was amazing. But how often have we come up with excuses for not doing anything and we underestimate our own ability? I had a uh, professor uh, in math who was an uh, African-American and I admired him in college because the dude was brilliant. And, and, and he was country, and he let you know he was country. And, and you know, he, he say stuff like, he doesn't call it a foot. He say, I call it foot, you know. <laughs> and then he said, you don't say square root, you know. So he went through his old diatribe of that. But what I like about him, he was brilliant. And he would always say, well, I'm this smart because nobody told me that I wasn't supposed to be. And I like that because what he was simply saying was he rebuffed the narrative of what was out there about a stereotypical black person, not smart enough. And this dude was smart and top of his class, one of the top professors there. And he was brilliant. And he always, and that stuck with me because that told me in spite all the negative narrative about young African-Americans out there, I didn't have to buy into it, Amen. you know? And again, that's listening to the enemy. And here, understanding, we underestimate our own ability when we see things through the eyes of fear. And, I, and I, I couldn't help but think of this. Fear leads to discouragement. And Psalm 139, the 14th verse speaks to us. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God has made us wonderful, fearfully made. 
We're the apple of his eye. So when people talk us down or people talk you down, and even within your own family, you can't listen to that narrative. You got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You got to trust that God is doing a work in you. So if somebody says you're something that you're not, don't latch on to that. All I heard about just growing up about how black men were this, black men were that. And then you look at the history of this nation. We were once considered chattel, three-fifths of a human. But there was our ancestor who did not buy into that narrative because they trusted in the God. And Deke prayed this morning, I mean, this, this afternoon, opening us up. And that was powerful what he said. You know there's a God, and you know he has delivered us because we come this far. So whose report are you going to listen to? Whose report are you going to listen to? Don't let others define you or define for you. Don't let them define you or define for you. Don't let them tell you that something is when you know that God is calling it different. So we underestimate our own abilities. Number three, number three, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. What happens when we see through the eyes of fear? We get discouraged. We get discouraged. If you listen to all that negativity, it is cancerous. It is contagious. Listen to Numbers 14, chapter verse 1. They got discouraged. The verse says, then all the people began weeping aloud and they cried on all night, all night. And that's why when you're in any particular space, whether it's leadership or even just in a congregation or a mob, you got to be careful how you work in that space. You got to be careful not. You got to be that voice of reason. Dick, I think I saw your hand. Oh, okay, coach. <laughs> good deal, good deal. So even in that space, they begin to get discouraged. And all of them begin to affect the entire camp. Yes, ma'am. My, my. We've done it this way all, all the time. That irritated me so much. I'm like, but it makes no sense. They have never looked at how they're processing the word to understand. There's a quicker and easier way to doing it. They're touching paper at least eight or nine times in one day. That's crazy. Absolutely. But every time I say something about do it this way, we've always done it this way. Oh. And she is just so irritating me saying that. Don't you know you need to change every day? There's a quicker process. Somebody has a new idea about doing something different that you, you don't know because you've never worked the way they have worked. Every day. 
And I want to tell her, if I could scream and holler, <laughs> right. every day. We've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. And then another lady decides she wanted to be smart and say, stop trying to invent the wheel. <laughs> oh, wow. So Oh, <laughs> right, right. It says it's not a stone with a wooden peg anymore, right? But, you know, when you get around people like that, and they are just stuck. Stuck. And they don't, they don't see anything but just their, that, they don't see, they're in their little space. And they don't ever want to grow from it. Spiritually stuck in Egypt, stuck in Egypt. That's exactly where these were. And I, I, I just kind of speak from my experience. I hired uh, a young lady to be on my team, and I had a gentleman who was a cancer to the team. But he would always come and smile in my face and want to be in leadership position. But yet he was poisoning everybody to come in the door. And finally, this young lady just up and quit, just 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 left. And so I finally got to the bottom and I heard why she left. She left because he was constantly feeding her negativity about me, about every team member. Now, here's the sad part about this young lady. And I say this kindly, she wasn't schooled enough to realize, to separate talk and all this other stuff from the real deal. Because he had an agenda. He was trying to get himself a following so everybody can do things the way he wanted to do it. And I see that all the time in the workplace. And it is not just in the workplace where that person is poisoning the whole lot because they have their own agenda. And God has made us too wise to fall for that. I said earlier, you gotta be careful what goes into your ear gate because you never know. God has got you on a mission. Now, clearly she needed the job, but I wouldn't ever, never, ever, never, did I say never? Never let anybody run me off of my mission, what God has for me. You got to be careful in that because people will do that. Again, they have an agenda, but you got to know who you are and whose you are. So the spies began to just bring a cancer on the camp. So the entire camp became discouraged and they wailed all light. And again, we're saying when we see through the eyes of fear, number four, we start to gripe about our lives. Numbers 14, 2 says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Listen to this. We wish we had died in Egypt, they will, or even here in the wilderness. That, what kind of sense is that? Instead of me living free and in faith in Christ, I'd rather live with my back bent in slavery in Egypt. And they go on to say they remember the melons and the cucumbers and the leeks and all of this stuff. But that's a, it, it, that, that mindset is scary. Yeah. 
Have you ever ran into somebody like that? They much rather sit in bondage than be free. That's a dangerous place to be in. Right. He's giving it to the people by second hand. But like back in the Old Testament, the bell wasn't ripped like that, so we can really go directly to God like that. But on the same token, though, I say that to say this. A person who's walking in a level of faith, like I really felt that, like on that, that entrepreneurial journey, I really felt that like I would feel God actually open up something for me on the deal or identify thing or I could really witness and see God in the act of my life while I was moving. But ever since I, I got a job, it was like that whole thrill was just gone. Wow, wow. No, no excitement. It's just, it's just every, it's basically, I'm in the wilderness, but when you look at it from a reality standpoint and from an adult uh, responsibility, it looked like you actually doing the right thing. But it's just like, it has really sucked the life out of me. Wow. I, I want to say that to say this. It's like this is a very, very, very touchy subject. And I'm not going to take this out. No, no, go for it, bro. Because the thing about all this, that whole book, that whole Bible, you had people going to basically prophesy to a land of people that, yo, you're living right. I understand that's what your father, your forefathers taught you, but that's not the true and living God. And if some of the people died, some lived, <laughs> some, was able, some was able to write a book before they were hung upside down. But it's just like, they was worshiping something they could not see. They only could tap into it by faith. And it's just like we work jobs and this, that, whatever journey you're on, whatever mission you're right. If you don't walk that in a level of spirit and you got your eye on everything, what you see, okay, I get paid this, I get paid this. But you haven't tapped into the spiritual world of why am I here? Like wow, wow. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't the fact that potentially she was a bad person that, that complained of your job so much. Now that's that possibility is there, right? Right. And and that's powerful because what you're speaking to is how do we do the will of God and know that we're in the will of God? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the key. And something you said, brother, made me think of uh, what uh, uh, my pastor uh, from our uh, old church used to say. Uh, doing the right thing is not always the wise thing. Now, now that that used to throw me off. What, what do you mean doing the right thing is not always the wise thing? But his greatest example was the Israelites, when they were moving the Ark of the Covenant, they were told, if you're not a Levite, you don't touch that Ark of Covenant. But it began to rock on the path that they were going and it was about to fall. And the guy went to, to put his hand out to brace it and he dropped dead. So the right thing he wanted to do, he didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall, but God said nobody is to touch it. 
So it was better let it fall. Let God handle that. <laughs> to your point, there may be some things that we're doing. It may be right in the sight of what everyone say. Yeah, he, he did a nine to five. He's doing the right thing. But it may not be the wise thing because God called you for something else. But that's where prayer comes in. Yes, sir, D. Wow. Wow. Come on now. Wow. Amen. I like that. Great point, D. Great point. Great point. Excellent. I love that. Look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Thank you. All right. I took his number and then she came back. Uh, yeah, you. I said, lady, I said, I appreciate you, but I need for you to go back to school. <laughs> right. I was hot, but I had to. Gotcha, go. gotcha. Good deal. Good deal. No, nah, go for it, go for it. But I went to the job the next day because uh, I, I got a, I rented a car and got there. And I was asking Ryan, and I said, well, anybody going west? Nobody would talk to me. And everybody had, was, had their own. All right. <laughs> See, that was a communication tool. <laughs>
starts on Friday and my son learns on Saturday. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I've never had hands. Just mistake. Did you really learn? I was a hand when that started. Broke down on you. And you by the graveyard. And you looked around. You saw something. And you started running. And it looked like everywhere you go to catch nothing. He said, I should have been there. A ghost of a hand. Are you driving? <laughs> now, 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 that's a smooth operator there. He done showed him this shiny object and then got him. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> but, but number four, number four, <laughs> we begin to gripe about our lives when we are looking through the eyes of fear. And again, like we were saying, Definitely, if you feel yourself in that space where you don't feel God's presence with you, that's a point where you want to pray and really seek God's presence and his direction. So we're going, we're going, we're going. Number five, the last little point when it talks to looking with the eyes of fear. We eventually give up and blame God. My, my, my. My, my, my. We blame God. Listen to the children of Israel. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to be killed with the sword? We'd better off going back to Egypt. Back to Egypt. Where they were in bondage. Where they were treated harshly. Where they had no power. Where they were third class citizens and they would rather go back to Egypt. We call that spiritually stuck in Egypt. God is in the process of delivering them, but they would much rather go back to what they are comfortable with. Comfortable with. The problem with being comfortable is that you never grow. Being content, now that's godly, because Paul talks about being content, but being comfortable, now there is lies the problem, because we never grow. Imagine the little baby speaking volumes to me right now. Imagine that little baby decide that, hey, I'm comfortable in mom's arms. What better place that I could be? I'm safe, I cry, she bring me food, everything. But that's something in that baby that says, I want to leave my arms, just like she did, and start walking. Exactly. And that's what God is doing with us. When we go through things, it is not to punish us because God just an evil taskmaster and he has nothing better to do. No, God loves us and he's grooming us and he's taking us through things that we become just like his son, Christ Jesus. So whatever you're going through, don't get comfortable in it. Be content where God has you for that space and time, but always be ready to grow when God calls you. That's the key. I, I, and everything seemed to be work related. I, I met a young lady 
And I asked her, did she want a supervised position? Because she had worked in this particular position for so long and she knew everything, but she said, no, I'm comfortable, I'm good. Now to each his own, I don't judge her, I don't pass judgment on her. She may have had her reasoning, but I know for me that that is never a safe place to be, comfortable. And here's why that offends me, not her, not her actions, there was a job position for management, and, and this is probably online, who cares? Yeah, I work for the Cap County, so y'all can make the deny. <laughs> y'all can connect the dots. But they hired a manager who I found out was the other manager's buddy off the street. And they did stuff sly. And, and again, I'm gonna speak truth to power because it is real and we all probably experienced it. You all of a sudden, a new person is there. You didn't see a job posting. And then you're training them. You're training them. You're training them. And then all of a sudden, a manager's job posting is there. So you apply for it, but then they tell you it failed. And then you find out a week later, the person you've been training the whole time is coming in there. Here's my point. When management were pressed with the issue, they actually formed their mouth to say, oh, I thought y'all were comfortable where you were. What kind of nonsense is that? My point is simply this. I will never be comfortable where I am because that's not where God is calling me. God has opened a door for all of us and all of us has a mission. And all of our experience of being groomed, we're being groomed by those experiences so we can walk through those doors, can get to that next level. But if we sit down and say, I'm comfortable, then what we've done is really rebuff all that God has for us. And then when life don't go right, we give up, then we blame God, just like the children of Israel did. They blame God because they wanted to go back to Egypt. I would much rather live free in faith in Christ Jesus than be comfortable in bondage of the enemy. God has so much more than the enemy. So that's when we are seeing things with the eyes of fear. So we're answering the question, what happens when you have faith and you see things through the eyes of God? So now we got five things we're moving. What happened when you see things with the eyes of faith? Number one, faith shrinks my problems. Faith shrinks my problem. We have supporting scripture in Genesis 18 to 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? For nothing is impossible with God. Because it is not our strength, but our faith in the God who has all powers. That's why faith shrinks our problems. Because the reality of it is you can't control barely yourself. We, we, we tend to want to say that we can control nothing but ourselves. But let's be honest with ourselves. We've all lost control. I've been dieting lately and trying to stay away from those donuts, 
But there was one morning when I came in and I had, I called myself going to get one when I wasn't supposed to have none and ate two of them. Lost control. My point is simply this. We will fail always, always, when we depend on ourselves. It is our faith in an all-powerful God that we have the power to shrink those problems. There is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Number one, nothing is possible for God. Number two, what happens when we see with the eyes of faith? Faith opens the doors for a miracle. Amen. Didn't we say that already? Faith opens the door for a miracle. Here's the scripture supporting that. Jesus said, have faith in God. If you have faith in God and you do not doubt, you can tell this mountain to get up and jump over the sea and it would. Whatever you ask in prayer will be yours if you only have the faith. Now that's powerful. That's powerful. Now, at nine years old, I probably wanted a Ferrari. Now, me praying for that Ferrari, now that's just nonsensical, right? So what is this saying? We don't want to just run with this scripture without taking the entirety of God's word in context. If it is the will of God, you can ask him anything and he will do it. Look at this example, and it's not on there, but I thought I'd bring it out. The woman that had the issue of blood, Mark talks about this in the fifth chapter. And she touches the hem of his garment. There was nothing that told her. Nobody came up to her and said, hey, you know, that's Jesus there. You know, if you touches him of his garment, you know, you'll be healed. Nobody told her that. It's kind of like my brother Collins was saying. It was just something in her that she just felt. She just felt, I got to press through this crowd and touch his hem. He said, she felt like, even if I can't touch him, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Now, you got to look at this in context. First of all, in this culture, women do not touch men in public. Not to mention when they were menstruating, you weren't even supposed to be out in public. So it wasn't just that she was casually strolling and thought that she just touched Jesus. This woman had so much faith that when she saw who it was, she didn't care about the cultural norm. She didn't care about any of that because something in her was saying, if I just get touched the hem of his garment and I will be made whole. And listen to this, because it opened doors. Her faith opened the doors. And Jesus said this, and, and, and I'm amazed. He says, who touched me? And his disciples, he was like, Jesus, all this crowd of people around you, and you ask who touched you? Jesus says this when the woman realized it. Daughter. Now, that, that's first of all, that's powerful right there. 
I can just kind of stop right there. She was just not a woman in the crowd. She was just not a sickly woman. She was just not a woman breaking all the norm. She, through her faith, now is daughter. That's powerful. But, but I'm going to continue on. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Amen. That's that door her faith opened. She trusted in Jesus. It was something in her that resonated with what was in Jesus that spoke to her spirit that she said, I have got to touch him. And her faith was rewarded through a miracle and she was healed. Not only that, not only that quickly, there were 10 lepers. Jesus was walking and they called to him, son of David, heal us, have mercy on us. Jesus tell all 10, you're healed, go your way, go show yourself to the priest. And as they turned, they were all healed already. Technically showing yourself to a priest was just a formality of showing that they were now clean and they can be let back into society. But the one saw that he was clean, turned around and began to praise and worship him. And Jesus says, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. It was his faith that opened the doors of the miracle. That's what our faith does. And number two, number three, number three, what happens when we see with the eyes of faith and technology <laughs> continue. All right. Faith moves God to act on our behalf. Faith moves God to act on our behalf. Matthew 9 and 29, to give you the context to the backstory, there was two blind men, and Jesus asked them simply this when they came to him, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Obviously, they were asking for their sight. And they said to him, yes, Lord. Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Your faith moves God into action. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You got to have faith. Like Deacon was saying about your story about it's always been done that way. You know, we sit in these chairs. We know the chair going to support us because we just got up from the chair. We have faith in our brakes because, hey, well, it slowed us down coming here. But it is in those moments when you're reaching the unknown. That's when your faith should kick in. It's the substance of things hoped for and things not seen. And our problem is because we are in this world, but not of it. We get so captured in the physical makeup of it, the material, that we begin to negate the spiritual because that's all we've ever seen. So when it comes to something that we haven't seen before, we don't know how to walk by faith. We walk by sight. And that's the problem. For those who follow God, we must walk by sight. Coach, did I see your hand? 
I mean faith. Thank you, sis. Wow. <laughs> Amen. Same kid. Glory to God. Wow. Wow. All kinds of things. Same parent that was up in those when they said that was stars. Everything. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow, wow. See, that's powerful. See, that, that, that's powerful. That's powerful. And like you said, it ain't about having yes, man. The issue with the 10 spies saying it was negative and the two saying, yeah, it wasn't about, hey, we need them to rubber stamp. It was about what faith, what did God say to you? God had told them. They weren't just wondering and said, hey, let's take these land. God had told them wherever your foot tread is yours. And I like that because, again, that just shows that God put something in you and you saw it and the kids resonated with it. And that changed things that opened doors and God moved in that situation. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Come on now. That's real. That's real. That's real. My, my. Mama. Come on now. Our own. Yes. Wow. 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 You see? Wow. That you're to be in a my, my. Come on now. She said it. Come on now. Hey, man. Come on now. That's real. That's real. Come on now. You got to have faith. Corey, you and that. Go ahead. No, that. This right here is really kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of sick with me, you know what I'm saying? 
But my thing is, what are the ingredients, you know what I'm saying, of faith? So it's like, uh, we can come here, we can read Bible study, we can listen to it. But of us being like a, a follower of Christ, if we don't know how to apply the knowledge, then it's like, what's the purpose of even coming to Bible study? Because like you knowing, but, and I understand like you're saying, it does take um, prayer. But it's like, what is it that that lady who said, if I could touch God, like, what were those substances that she finally crossed over? Was it spiritually? Was it by faith? Or like, what is faith? What is the, what is the ingredient of faith? Like, um, without spiritual truth, you can't, can't worship them. So it's just like, how can you worship something you don't have faith in? And you, and you can't, well, my, I'm talking about myself. Sure, sure, sure. If I can't grasp the understanding of faith and knowing how to apply it accurately, not worshiping God. Right. So it's like, my, my question is, um, and I know that may be like a, a private conversation, but it's That's like, fine. how do you really know you're walking in faith? And, and that, that, that's, okay. Um, we, we're going to let the, the committee as a whole weigh in. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I need a good answer, man. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Glory to God. Me knowing that this was a 
test for me is was I going to trust God to take care of her? Because I could, I could do a thing. I could not, I could not do anything. When you see your 15 year old grandchild laying there and you can't do your child, basically, do nothing but pray and trust God and everything was fine. She went home that Monday. Wow. Glory to God. Glory no to God. Gotcha. I'm following you still. Uh uh. Come on now, come on now. Same thing with God. And the only way you can do it is spending personal time with God. I spent, I, I, I had, I was going through something, and it was at that point where, okay, Lord, my Bible became my best friend. And, I, and for me, I would come in at night when I got through, got kids to bed, and stuff, I'd open my Bible, okay, Lord, talk to me. And I start reading. And I just, okay, Lord, I, I don't understand this, Lord. I'm, I'm having a conversation with God just mm -hmm. like it, as if he was sitting right down with yep. me. Yep, all right, all right. Yes. Yep. And then yes. little by little, I could start to hear him, and he would tell me to do this. Mm. Yep. And depending on my little hang-ups, because he told me to do something one thing, and I was just like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Before that, 
at the Lord for those drugs. But then, this is something that was going to be in public. This is something that was going to be in public because yes. it's just like, okay, we're having this love affair now. So, he, are you going to show me? All right. Show me, what, show me what you're working with. Yeah. I told you to do something. Are you going to do it? Because yeah. the thing was, I was in the choir stand. The Lord told me to kneel down during the prayer. And nobody else was doing that. Nah, ma. Because it, once again, it's about this relationship. Can I trust you to do what I ask you to do? Okay. Ma. So it's a relationship. And if you build on that relationship, you build on that relationship. It does not matter how much you tell your body, but until right, right. you go through, it's a process. Process. It's a learning process. And, and, and you get comfortable with God. You and he, he gets comfortable with you. You learn to recognize the voice, and yes. little by little, it's a gradual process. Yes. It's a gradual process. And before you know it, then you'll be able to step out there. You'll be able to do because you can hear that voice yes. and recognize. Mm -hmm. And then he continues to tell you to do stuff that doesn't make mm -hmm. sense to you, but because of what he has told somebody else, mm -hmm. all of that stuff works together. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. All right. Hey. Yeah. Does your mother love you? I would have. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, does your mother love you? Uh, my mother loved me through si situations. Okay. I have a different, my family ain't all together. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't easy. That, that, that ain't. But if she told you to come in here right now and get up and move out of that chair and move into another one, would you do it? I want to, I'm not sure I have to ask him to oh, do that. Okay. That's your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know your mother's voice. In a crowd of us, she said, boy, you're going to know she's talking to you. That's your relationship with God. When he's talking to you, you know exactly who mm -hmm. he's talking to. Mm -hmm. He's talking to all of us. He talks to all of us every day, all day long. But when he's talking to me, it's a totally different voice than when he's talking to you. Because he knows what I need to hear to understand he's talking yeah. to me. And that's what comes from that relationship. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. So I'm going to press on, press on. But you're right. We can talk even further. Another thing that faith was when you see through the eyes of faith, it unlocks all the promises of God. Amen. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ Jesus. And I love this, the way Revelation 3 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and that person with me. And what that is saying is what my sister's saying. That's a relationship. Y'all don't have Revelations 3 in your outline, but that that scripture jumped immediately out when I read Unlock the Promises. That's what Jesus is saying. We will have a relationship. When the woman with the issue of blood, he called her daughter. That's a relationship. When you begin to commune with him, you know his voice. And it is a process, and it happens over time. But it unlocked the promises. So if Jesus is in you and you in him, all of the promises are yours. We are co-heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. All that God promised us, we can have if we have the faith. Number five, number five, moving through it, moving through it. When we look through the eyes of faith, faith turns 
God-given dreams into reality. God-given dreams into reality. And that's that praying, that's that communion, that's that speaking with God, that's God discerning your vision. And he talks to all of us individually because he knows what it takes to get our attention. He knows what things and what language and what tone to use with each and every one of his children. And you've seen that with your parents. With one child, the parents got to be one way because that child, hey, he got to be told five times to do something. But then that other child, you just tell him one time. So, and, and the same with God. And, and I'll just speak from my own personal experience. God told me this in a dream. Zechariah 8 and 16. Zechariah 8 and 16. And I woke up with that on my mind. Now, I was not into the word like I am now. I didn't even know there was a book, Zechariah, let alone to be an eighth and a 15th, I mean, 16th verse. And when I read and went to that verse, it said, these are the things that you shall do. You shall speak true to every one of your neighbors in the gates and execute the judgments of righteousness. And I'm like, what does that mean, God? <laughs> and, 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 and slowly but surely, I began to walk in that word, that reality that God has and that faith. And God has put me before people where I had to speak his truth, even when it wasn't popular, not just in a church setting. That was part of it. That was this is part of that vision. But there was also times when I'm speaking truth to politicians, to bosses and everything. And it was not popular. But God said, speak the truth. What am I saying? So God has a mission for all of us. And when we walk with him and get closer with him, we begin to understand that mission. And God is telling us to go and it will come to reality. Moving, 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 moving. We are moving. Last one. We're there. We're there, y'all. Faith gives me power to hold on in tough times. Hold on in tough times. I'm going to jump back and read the scripture verse for five and six at the same time. Glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would dare to ask or even dream infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts or hopes. That's Ephesians 20, the living Bible. I love the King James, though. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that work is in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I love that. Now, six, six, faith give us power to hold on through tough times. Here's the verse, 2 Corinthians 4 and 9. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We're attacked, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up and keep on going. That is the Christian journey. If anyone had told you when you accepted Christ Jesus that it was going to be pie in the sky, 
Run. Run. That is not the gospel of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Jesus was a man suffering, acquainted with sorrow. Jesus said, I suffered. They persecuted me. They will also persecute you. He said, the servant is not greater than the master. Now that on its face may be frightening and scary to hear. But here's the beauty. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Paul goes on to remind us that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So he gives us that power to hold on through the tough time. And we all know, as it was said earlier, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I love ending with John. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever have faith in him will have eternal life. That is our story. Amen. Amen. I hope you got something out of the lesson. Yes, ma'am. Are we okay for a question?